Sie hören Sport und Musik. In a world where fans fight over whether to call it football, football, or soccer, two German men defy the odds and call it Fußball. Bringing you inside the German-American Fußball experience. And now, here are your hosts, the Schnitzel Boys. Welcome to the MLK Special Day Edition of the Schnitzel Boys, your one-stop shop for all German-American foosball needs. Hey, hey. how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You just drove back from Vermont to the snowstorm? I drove How's back that? from Vermont in a snowstorm. Yeah, it was fine, I guess. I mean, that's, you know, it was a ski trip, so that's kind of a, it's an occupational occupational hazard it's part of the you know sometimes it snows when you go on ski trips i've driven in a lot of shitty conditions today was not was not that bad but it just takes a little longer also my second time to vermont in the last couple months uh the the third third trip of the season oh wow yeah i know and you were in colorado before yeah i like to i like i like the winter sports it helps Mm. with my helps fix it cured my seasonal depression winter sports (laughs) it's good oh you know what's funny i might get into exactly the same thing like i went to a snowy village before christmas everyone was skiing i used to ski as a kid and i miss it so who knows maybe i'll lose some weight this year Get fit and go skiing next season. We'll see. I think, we'll uh, yeah, I'll hold you to it. That'd be good. I mean, I definitely, I used to get really down in the wintertime. And I, when I started, I didn't start skiing until my 30s. And it really made a difference. So oh, it's good. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, um, SAD is really here on the West Coast. I This is my first sort of winter in Los Angeles, the West Coast. And I was surprised that the days are really short and it's cold and it's raining. Uh-huh. I mean, not so long. It's actually pretty nice these days in January. But in like November and December, I was like, whoa, these are the same winters I remember on the East Coast, too. You get so, a little flavor of seasons, even on the A little even flavor of seasons. You know, not in Florida, where my folks are. Florida's got none of that. But no. Uh, uh, but California does. So I was like impressed. I was like, oh, wow, I can get SAD here, too. <laughs> you have a. You're and you're only like what five hours away from Mammoth Mountain, where they have a where they have a lot of snow. Uh, maybe where's Mammoth Mountain? Mammoth okay. Mountain, I think, is is like five hours north, slightly east of LA. Yeah. And it's a great, five yeah, it's hours. a great, great ski area. I've never been, but I'm I've been wanting to go. We will go. We will go. We will go. I uh, I took a visit once to Big Sky, Montana. Oh yeah, really really cool. Big mm-hmm. Sky. With a big, I think it has like the North America's second largest ski mountain or something like that. They always have their, everyone has their, 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 their stats. Their, their know, stats that they brag about. Yes, or, right. Yeah, because I, I think the biggest is in Canada somewhere, right? As far as North American skiing, I think Canada has the biggest ski resort or something. Like by eight by somewhere. Right, I'm um, sure. I, I, who knows? Maybe. maybe 
there's five biggest ski mountains in North America, all over North America. Who knows? Who knows? All I know is they got big mountains in Canada. Podcast. (laughs) I mean, sports. This is a it's a yeah. That's true. It's all it's all about the foosball. I'm wearing uh, I'm, I'm wearing my uh, championship hat that just arrived. It has MLS Cup on it. So you see that? I can right. I I'm, I Last am with a shirt. To... I, I I have a weakness. I am very susceptible to the championship merch. I have. No, you're good. You're good. I was I was toying last night about designing some Schnitzel Boys merch. So, oh uh, yes keep a prize to that maybe we'll have some merch coming out soon at we'll some have point. A, so we would have a logo merch. this this hat would be available with our logo and then they would be instead of the ml M, instead of mls cup it would be a schnitzel a gigantic it'll a, schnitzel. A schnitzel it'll be a golden schnitzel it'll be like a golden schnitzel cup it could even be a schnitzel and shaped hat the, the cool thing about the schnitzel cup is everybody's a winner there's it's no knockout round <laughs> It's so. the it's the ultimate uh, participation trophy, a schnitzel. Yeah, it's the, it's the ultimate <laughs> Schnitzels trophy. for everyone. Yeah, everyone gets a schnitzel. No one goes hungry. To schnitzel. No yeah. one goes. We, all, we, all, we all get schnitzels. We all get schnitzels. So I am in the process of, you know, also setting up my thing here uh, for the viewers. Uh, you know, my background is a little barren. I got some cool backgrounds coming. I got a new Excellent. camera coming. So I'm upgrading my set as well. Uh, we're going to have a couple of upgrades here coming up in the next couple of weeks. But speaking of upgrades, should we upgrade to the Justice League? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's upgrade to the, uh, yeah. You want to you do the honors? German soccer talk right here on the Schutzel Boys. Should I cue um, it? Uh, yeah, it's time. Now, it's time for the German Soccer Rundown. Okay, okay, German Soccer Rundown, match day 19. Started with Dortmund dominating Freiburg 5-1 on Friday with a brace from who else? But the Norwegian Terminator Erling Haaland to keep the league leaders Bayern. Speaking of Bayern, they fought back, still a bit COVID-ravaged, but they beat Cologne 4-0 to keep themselves on tippy-top. No luck from my boy Anthony Modest this week, unfortunately. Elsewhere, Mainz beat Bochum 1-0, off a goal from winger Jeremiah Saint-Just. Uh, I believe that's how you say it. Union Berlin keep chugging along, defeating Chris Richards and Hoffenheim 2-1. After 56 days in charge, Florian Kohlfeld got his first point as head coach of Wolfsburg as they held Hertha Berlin to a scoreless draw. Unfortunately, Pellegrino Matarazzo Stuttgart could not contain Tyler Adams and RB Leipzig as they won 2-0 with the continuing revelation. It is Christopher Nkunku on the target, uh, but not for lack of trying as Golashi putting in one of his best... Performance with 10 saves. Yeah, incredible. And his eyes are on foot. And lastly, Gonzalo Castro's rocket strikes on Bielefeld tied. Julian Green scores 2 to 2 at the battle of the bottom. And that is your German soccer rundown. Yeah, very nice. There we go. Yeah, beating out the music there. Sorry. 
<laughs> I don't know what to shove in one not to shove. But that was a, a, an overall rundown. Most games came as expected. You know, Gladbach still losing. Wolfsburg got got their point. I guess the only so I'm trying to think there was one relatively surprising result. Uh, I mean, I guess there were no re- surprising results, right? I mean, Union Berlin being Hoffenheim, good for them. I mean, I think that that counts as a semi surprise. No, is the Schnitzel boys the Schnitzel yeah, boys no, curse is real? You know who played for Union Berlin for a long time? <clears throat> Demir Kailach. Remember the, what we're talking about if you ever played in Germany? Demir, he played most of his Demir career at Union <laughs> which keeps supporting my theory that he's he secretly German. German. Yeah, that he's letting on. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, uh, a lot of really good results. Uh, uh, it's still six point gap. But Borussia Dortmund, though, with a statement win against Freiburg, uh, saying, "Hey, we're yeah. here and we're ready to play." Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think as far as the Dortmund game, other than a great performance from Erling Haaland, you know, uh, and a really great couple of goals from Thomas Mounier, who essentially did like back to back. Identical I mean, goals, and he's not really a big goal scorer, so that was a lot of fun for Dortmund and Munier. That game was that game was over early. Yeah, he he got these two early goals, and that was it. Got in the words of Yogi Berra, it got it got late early for for, for Freiburg in that one. Yogi Berra, you know, you know, you know what Yogi Berra's favorite sport was? Soccer? No. Yes. No. No. It oh, because he. Really? Yogi Berra is from St. Louis. He's from The Hill, a very famous American mm. soccer neighborhood. Where back when the country didn't care about soccer, St. Louis was <clears> the <throat> exception. And the old sort of joke around town was just like, Yogi Berra can't shut up about soccer. That's what he kept talking about. <laughs> and, uh, his old baseball days. So shout out to Yogi Berra, one of the original American soccer fans. And a yeah. baseball legend to boot. I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, and St. Louis, St. Louis. Based off of it. Right. St. Louis, what you and Saint, St. Louis? St. Louis is finally getting uh, their MLS team. Uh, Twenty twenty three. Lutz Fannenstiel. Lutz Fannenstiel, yeah, who does a lot of who does a lot of ESPN commentary, and uh, one of my known for. What were you gonna say? No, I was gonna say I I I like him. I'm uh, uh, Stefan Freund. He's played all over not, the world. Not as much. He's played in. He wrote a book about what it's like to be a professional soccer player in like 50 different leagues or something. He's played everywhere. He was, you know, I think he played in India. He just had this big sojourn as a journeyman soccer player playing all over the world in very obscure leagues. Mm-hmm. And he was really enjoying the sport. And then in Germany, uh, became a sport director. And in Germany, there is an official training course for that. Probably the only country in the world that yeah. has something like that. And then the St. Louis boys are smart enough to bring him on stateside. And just like guys like Ernst Tana before him, maybe he can bring some of that German Sportdirektor magic to Major League Soccer. I think it's very, it's a very promising appointment. I think, uh, I, yeah, I'm very excited to see how these guys do. I agree. I'm very excited. <clears throat> so Dortmund beating Freiburg. Yep. Um, uh, Bayern and Köln. Very dominant. Uh, Bayern yeah. winning a 4 nothing. you know, a textbook Bayern Köln game. Cohen did not splash any surprises. But uh, props to Cohen for going at him. They didn't hold it. didn't park the bus. They just went at him and played That's their game. That's true. Fortunately, Bayern played their game. <laughs> and then that, this happened. <laughs> <clears throat> no, or nothing. But props to them. 
Toliso, uh, yeah. Great goal for Toliso. Oh, who, great goal. I remember while it was happening, I'm like, oh, is this going to be a goal? And boom, who, it was a goal. Was yeah, like, oh, it was nice. That is the um, kind of stuff you want to see. That's like a PlayStation goal. And Zabitza was part of the buildup. He had a better game, I thought. And, you know, we were, we've been... We've been ragging on him. Now we gotta gotta mention when he does better too. He was he had a good game and uh, and I read in Kicker today on the Kicker website Toliso his contract is up and there was uh, uh, some talk that he probably wouldn't renew and now that the tone has changed they might find find some some you know reach into the cracks of the couch to find some extra cash to bring him back and uh, what a difference <laughs> one goal makes for him yeah we'll see. <laughs> Well, Byron mentioned are still pretty COVID-ravaged. And I think their entire bench had zero Bundesliga minutes or mm -hmm. something like that, or less than a game's worth of Bundesliga minutes. Uh, and they still have the depth, and they still played on. It was very dominant. Uh, like I said, the Dortmund game and the Bayern game both have previews to topics I want to talk about later, one with Erling Haaland and one with one Dietmar Hamann. Uh, uh, who we'll talk about in a bit. Talking about um, COVID, yeah. Talking about COVID. But as far as other game talking points, uh, I love to talk, um, uh, let's see, we have Gladbach, Wolfsburg, and Augsburg. Sorry, I got Augsburg. Boich, like a hum hamburger. It's Augsburg, Wolfsburg, I think is the more proper way to say it. Actually, I mean, in the... In the uh, <clears throat> In the Ruhrpott, where I'm from, you definitely say Boich. But well, that's I mean, what I know because in Hamburg you say Hamburg. That's how that's how locals say Hamburg. Yeah. It's Augsburg. Hamburg. But I think um, in Augsburg, I don't think you say. I don't think I don't think they say Boich in the south. No, they don't. Augsburg. No, no, they say Augs Augsburg. 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 Sure, is it Wolfsburg or Wolfsburg? Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg. I think one Burg is is the same as all the Burgs. But I think in in uh, yeah, where I'm from, where I'm from, we say Bush, but we know it's say Hamboy. We know it's Hamboy. not correct. We do, yeah. You know, when we're trying to speak properly, we do say Borg. Borg. You know, you know what my favorite <laughs> Borg is? The half cyborg, half human from the Star Trek series. <laughs> That's my favorite Borg. The Borgs. <laughs> There's Wolf's Borg, Alps Borg, and, yes, and the Cyborg. Cyborg? So we're gonna Cyborg. call them. So where I'm from, we would call them cyborgs. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not we're not, we're a little slow around here. You call them cyborgs. We call them cyboys. The boys, the boys are coming through. Watch out! They're gonna steal our ovens and turn them into their arms or whatever, <laughs> whatever the Borg does. Whatever the whatever they they do, these boys. These boys. These weird boys. Ah, the boys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's like our new movie, Cyboy. Cyboy. Like Terminator with a bunch of German handle cups. Like, oh, what is robot. with the. What's happening with the Cyboy again? <laughs> oh, that guy, that's Cyboy. Um, always dancing around, asks for more schnitzel and Wurst. Terrible. Wurst boy. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, let's talk Frankfurt Augsburg. Augsburg, uh, Pepe's first start. Pepe's yep. first start. He played a strong full 90, I thought. Uh, Pepe's positioning is on point, He's right? He's good, yeah. My big takeaway is that dude knows where to stand. <clears throat> That's a, That guy's got his positioning down, you know. Yeah. 
Knipser. What to expect for a finisher like that for Knipser. the Knipser, the Knipser quality, the number one Knipser quality. Yeah, being in the right spot. Yeah. Next stop is to slam the ball maybe a little bit harder, get it on point, and get that goal. I think his finishing left a little to be desired. It wasn't terrible finishing by any means. Uh, uh, he had a pretty great chance 10 minutes in where it was one-on-one of the keeper, and he kicked it kind of sideways. But, you know, the, the keeper limited his angles, so it's not an easy finish. Um, the uh, The one finish he did was like five seconds yeah. after the referee whistled for what was seemingly a penalty, but ended up being a foul against the attacker. Against, um, against Augsburg. Yeah, against Augsburg. Uh, Zakiri? Or was it Zakiri? Maybe it was Zakiri. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he ended up stepping on the foot of a defender with studs up. I thought at the end of the day, it was a good call. I thought uh, 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 giving him a yellow for that because it didn't seem super intentional, uh, was a good call. So it's a shame that Pepe's goal was taken away because of a seemingly silly foul only a few seconds prior. But at least that could help him confidence-wise. Be like, Pepe's like, I can put the ball in the back of the net. I can't yeah. do that. We just had to do it next time when the play <laughs> right. is in play. When actually it's the <laughs> – right, when, it, when it'll count, yeah. But boy, um, <clears throat> Timmy Chandler was like man of the match for Funk Club, wasn't he? He was freaking – he played well, yeah, yeah I thought. It's like he was I, – well, I was just surprised that most plays seemed to go through him. Uh, he mm-hmm. was crossing in. He was just playing as a great left wing back. And for the U.S., with their shallow left back options, it's interesting that uh, Timmy Chandler's hanging around, crushing it as a left wing back for Eintracht Frankfurt, who play really well under um, uh, Oliver Glasner. Uh, yeah. Who and I do think Frankfurt won the coaching carousel last year. All the coaches switched, and as you can see with what's uh, going on, they Wolfsburg, have yeah, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg should not have gotten rid of Oliver Glasner. Wolfsburg, Burg, Burg. the half team, half robot. Sai <laughs> Wolfsburg. Sai Wolfsburg. Yeah, his name is Wolfsburg. Um. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, ever since Glasner left, what has Wolfsburg been but just a giant dumpster fire? And I thought Frankfurt yeah. are playing better than they've been playing for quite some time. And Frankfurt. So wait, wait, wait! Before time. before we before we move on, though, you want I'm, I want to I want to hear you say it. You want Timmy Chandler to be back nope. in the national team? No, no, I'm <laughs> just saying it's interesting because the, the thing it's just so it's just so sad watching Timmy Chandler <clears> play because kind of like Fabian Johnson, like he's so good for his club, but he's a club player. Like when you ask him to fly across the Atlantic and put on the national team jersey here, he's only half the player at that. You know what I mean? He, I just don't think his heart is in it. Yeah, he wasn't he's really it. very much a mercenary. Um, so, so I would love for Timmy Chandler at his best to play for the U.S. Yes. The Timmy Chandler I saw yesterday – I would love for that guy to be on the U.S. national team playing for left back for us. I would love for that guy to do it. However, he has proven time and time again that that's not the guy who shows up to play for the U.S., unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I'm not interested in the guy that has showed up for the U.S. That guy I don't want. So in a weird world, if – because he say he's in his prime right now, say he's playing well and he wants to play like that, if he calls Greg and is like, listen, man, I want to play for the U.S., I want to play for the team, I want to play my heart out, and I want to play, give you my best. 
if that were to happen, then I would say, yeah, let's, I want to incorporate that on the team. I mean, wouldn't you incorporate that? I want that. Well, this is very, it's very hypothetical. I mean, he's been pretty consistently. Yeah. Like you're saying, I think he's pretty consistently made clear that he's not that interested. And so it's been a while. Let the kids play. That's right. Let the kids play. I, I'm just bringing it up. I'm just saying Timmy Chandler's there. Yeah, yeah. He's doing well. Our left back situation seems to be a little bit of a mystery. We got a young Joe Scally coming up. Uh, uh, Sam Vines is doing well in Belgium. You know, uh, uh, we've got some options, you know. Serginho Desk could maybe still play there on that side. It's not that there's no options, but it'd be nice if we had another solid left back, a veteran who could maybe show someone like a Joe Scally the way. You know, that'd be a cool situation if that were to materialize, is all I'm going to say. All right. Cool. But overall, it was a great game. And Auspick got a point. They got 1-1. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts on the game other than the, the three bucket grubbers, <clears throat> if you saw those? The gub- yeah, yeah. Those guys, I've seen those before. They're like the three the three dudes that they let in, and they make a lot of noise. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, good... It, like, it felt like someone was shooting. Like I felt like there was a gun in the background. Oh, it was. Oh, it was unsettling. Yeah, I guess yeah, once right. once you if, until you know what it is, it's a little weird. But uh, I guess the pardon me. The only other thing to co- talk about uh, for is the Niederlechner situation. You know, their other kind of number nine who was injured for most of the for a lot of the the uh, Hinrunde and. Uh, uh, he came in for Pepe, and he had a good chance to win the game. Actually, at the very end, he could have uh, he could have gotten the winner. And there was some talk that he would go to the Chicago Fire, which would have been right. sort of funny. Right. The, the kind of been, I would have loved to have seen that. Wouldn't the the tra- transatlantic uh, swap, um, <laughs> <clears throat> but apparently they they uh, uh, he had enough. Um, appearances now that it triggered a contract extension for him so he's now sort of automatically extended till 2023 for Augsburg and so he's not going anywhere and that's just going to be interesting to watch because they're pretty much I think you know last week they both played together for a while in a 4-4-2 sort of a setup and uh, but that's just going to be interesting to see Pepe versus Niederlechner well from what I understand Niederlechner has been assigned to mentor Pepe, like officially. Hmm. Uh, uh, like, uh, we do have to check in with our friend Rolf Strong yeah. about that. But, you know, there is like young players and older players do have a mentor-mentee relationship in, in, in the German club system, I'm sure elsewhere as well. And uh, Florian Niederlechner, a veteran Bundesliga striker who's been there, done that, a solid professional number nine. Yeah, he's in this, I think he's... Young Ricardo Pepe. He's 31 years old, you know, 31. he's not, uh, yeah... He's a career Bundesliga man, so uh, I would love for for him to to Ricardo Pepe's maybe got more raw talent, but Niederlechner's got the experience, so hopefully he can expel some wisdom on him and keep turning Ricardo Pepe into a more and more formidable stri- striker. I think that's a win win. I would love to have seen Niederlechner come to MLS uh, during the Frankfurt Cone broadcast. The the play by play guy is like Rafael Zichos left Cone. He was called <laughs> center back to go to Chicago Fire because, quote-unquote, was always his dream to play in the United States. Oh. So more power to Chicos and what's going on in Chicago Fire, man. I would love for Chicago Fire to load up as much put as it can tell as it gets its hands on. <laughs> they need it. They need it. I would love to see it. Um, yeah, but yeah so something. overall, a good game. Exciting game. 1-1. One, one. 
Um, good on it for, for Pepe and Augsburg. Better luck next week. And Pepe Watch is officially uh, underway. I don't really have a Pepe Watch drop, so I'll just use this one. <laughs> will he score in Augsburg? Will he be? Or will Florian sabotage, use his mental role to sabotage him? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see if he can become. Richtig, genau. I'm uh, the master butcher master. See if he can become the butcher master Peppy. The butcher or, master Peppy. Butcher master. Cool, very cool. Um, you know, I just want to talk real quick about Gladbach. There's not much to say. You know, Joe Scally came on. He almost got a goal at the end. Uh, you know. Yeah, this was on Sunday. Yeah, I just I did not see this game. Um, I, I watched. I watched. I watched. They <clears throat> um, watched the whole game. I watched at least extended highlights, maybe of the game. You know, like a thirty minute on on ZDF on the sports show, like a thirty minute. Right, right, right highlight and review so the next best thing to watch in the full match all i gotta say is jan zoma who has always been a personal favorite of mine uh, that dude's such a good goalkeeper he's just yeah. such a great goalkeeper he he's is great easily goalkeeper of the season i think uh or, or definitely a contender simply because without him Gladbach would be even more hopeless than they are now like you know he blocked two penalties he's a great he's just a good all-around goalkeeper any club that wants a great solid goalkeeper Jan, you can't go wrong with jan zoma Good, another good performance from the Swiss yeah. national team keeper. Um, uh, cool. I'm trying to think. Do you want to talk? Uh, the readers yeah, just in terms, just talking about uh, goalkeepers. The um, the readers of Kicker magazine in Germany voted for uh, the best goalkeeper in Germany, and it was not it was not Manuel Neuer. It was. Uh, um, Is it not Jan Zoma either? It wasn't Jan Zoma either. Was it Gulashi? No, it wasn't Gulashi. Was it Kevin Trapp? Also one of my favorite goalkeepers from Eintracht Frankfurt. No. <laughs> Did I tell you? It was Mark <laughs> Flecken. Mark Flecken. Mark Flecken of S Flecken? of SC Freiburg was voted uh. the best Bundesliga goalkeeper. By the readers of Kicker Magazine, I thought that was uh, interesting and noteworthy. Well, because that's also those are those popularity contests. Maybe a lot of fans go on there, and I'm sure he's a solid goalkeeper. That he's a starting goalkeeper for Flyboy. But as far as goalkeepers that come to mind, the Bundesliga, Mark Flecken is the first one that comes on. I think of Jan <laughs> well, I think of Money Noy. I think of Kevin Trapp. I think of Gulashi first. Those are the guys that come first to mind. Well, um, you should. And I know who else I love: the Augsburg goalkeeper. The former Union Berlin goalkeeper, the guy who got into a fight with the fans a couple of years ago. <laughs> that, guy, right. that guy is just a solid beast. I just like him. He's got a really intense face. I just like that guy too. But uh, more power to Mr. Flecken. Mark Flecken. On the award. Sorry, you let five goals go past you over the weekend. We're going to add him. Yeah, I guess this must have been before that game. This, uh, before the game. But this next time, it's against the great Norwegian Terminator. Wolfsboy. Uh, right. Uh, Wolfsburg, sorry, just an old habit. Wolfsburg and Hanta played to a very, very boring 0-0 draw. But after 56 days in charge, it was Florian Kohlfeld's first point. Uh, and John Brooks overall had a pretty solid game. Maybe he's getting back into form, which is good to see. I want, I want John Brooks back healthy and strong. And, uh, you know, 
break out the champagne and got their first <laughs> points. But it seems like there's just not much go, going right for Wolfsburg. And, and bringing out winter time to do something about it, and they did nothing about it. So I'm bringing out the juice to celebrate. Bring, I saw that. Is that the fresh press? What do we got there? Fresh press grapefruit. Ooh, this is nice. a thing in my in my in my middle age. I'm kind of uh, I'm getting into grapefruit juice. I don't know if that's like an old man thing. I didn't used to like it. Now I now I enjoy it. My parents drink grapefruit juice all the time. I'm not crazy about it, but I can totally see why. Maybe give it time. Give it time. <laughs> give it time. One hundred percent. It's funny how tastes change. It's funny how stuff I loved when I was younger. I'm not crazy yeah. about now, and you know, it's just our, our taste buds grow as we get more cultured, I guess. And uh, grapefruits yes, yes. are in all of our future. You know what's after grapefruit juice? <laughs> juice. Oh no. Oh boy! Get ready for the brew. Oh boy! Yeah, I guess this. I guess I have put myself on that trajectory. Yeah. <laughs> or raw, a hundred percent raw organic cranberry juice, <laughs> which is really rough to drink. My parents drink that watered down sometimes. I think it's less about the taste and more about what it does with your body, your digestive At system. Point, yeah, it, that becomes more important. <laughs> the I, the other end becomes more important than the, the front end isn't as important as the back end. Get my drift. All right. Uh, so speaking mm. of front end and back end, <laughs> yeah, okay. And you know who's on the back end is VF. Hold on, hold on. You know who's on the back end? Unfortunately, it's. Unfortunately, our boy Pellegrino Matarazzo's foul fish Stuttgart lost two nothing to RB Leipzig, and they are second to last in the table. Good news: the table is very tight. So next week they could very well be third place. I don't know, not third place, but next week they could very well be a mid-table team after a win. Who knows? Shouldn't, uh, have and talk, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have called his team great. <laughs> no, no, no. He is. They're, he is. They're not that. They're not that great. Moves, they're not that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, in his defense, they played okay. They had a lot of chances. Gulashi had like a superhuman performance. That, that is true. I, incredible. I mean, that is that is really really uh, a fair point. Like incredible performance. Like a couple of. I mean, he had 10, 10 total, and a couple of them were really, really great. Yeah. A couple line clearances. Yeah. One of those superhuman performances you you, you, you get to cherish, like like a 2002 Oliver Kahn-style performance. Really, really, so, really good stuff. Um, so and, Stuttgart, uh, Stuttgart may have been great, but Gulashi was more great. Greater. More great. Uh, and then Christopher Nkuku winning the penalty early and scoring the second goal. So it's a goal from Andre Silva and then Nkuku, the goal scores. Seems like RB Leipzig is essentially quickly fixed. Weren't they? Un- they were just fixed right away. Andre Silva unleashed now. Yeah. He has um, goals this season, I believe. Already so. They paid a lot of money for him. He was the Frankfurt leading scorer last season. They won a goal score and they got an Andre Silva. And Christopher Nkuku keeps him honest. And it seems like all is well in the state of Leipzig. Yeah, they're making um, Dominic making 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 Tedesco look good and Jesse yeah. Marsh very very bad. A little less good. We'll see. But I, I don't think it reflects on Marsh. I think what we see with Leipzig and maybe even with the Manchester United 
is the players are in charge and the players can be a little whiny. They can be a little, you know, it's not the old days of the coach, uh, uh, his final <clears throat> say seems to be over, at least in most of the situation. I think the coach's job is more to serve the players these days, right? wouldn't you say? Uh, I don't know about serving them, but yeah, you can't, uh, um, it's not, yeah, it, you're, it's not the authoritarian position of alt. Like you definitely are going to need to collaborate. And some people are, are better at that than others. You know, Thomas Tuchel, I thought, handled this whole Lukaku situation quite well in Chelsea. I don't know if you've been following that. Lukaku gave over yeah. the winter break, gave an interview sort of mal- maligning Chelsea and complaining that he really would rather be in Italy. And and Tuchel, you know, set him out for one game and then said, okay, it's fine. We're over it. And uh, Well, those comments were – it's weird how that happened. And it goes to show a little bit of the behind workings of how sort of things work is he gave an interview to Sky Italia in Italy – uh, three weeks before right. they became an issue. Yeah, they an older interview, and then someone translated it, or someone found it, or it got tweeted. It essentially got went viral somehow. Someone must have made that happen based on some sort of circumstance. Chelsea oh, but I thought they had. Like, I thought they. Quotes. I thought they hadn't broadcast it for a while. He had given it three weeks earlier, and then they sat on it for some time. And is that not what yeah, happened? They just. Happen. I think that's how it went. Well, and, they uh, sat on it for the right time, and then it came out, and then he had to clarify, it. and then Tuchel and him had a clearing out meeting after he benched him for a game, and then there you go. And then it was all solved, and then Lukaku uh, back to playing. You know, the jury's still out on whether Lukaku to Chelsea is a success or not. I think if you ask the Chelsea fans, they would probably say they would love it to be better than it is now. Sure, yeah. Um, but I'm sure they can say that about a lot of things. But Timo, yeah, he's, he's doing yeah, better than uh, do you, so doing better than Timo Werner. Doing better than Timo is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know, of course, the whole Pulisic thing. The jury's maybe still out. I don't know. He's playing week in and week out, which is good. But whether he's putting up assists and goals, that's maybe a little bit more left to be desired. Um, you know, uh, I would say that uh, you know guys like Mason Mount still bring in on a regular basis. Um, you know, it's just. With Chelsea, they it's have a deep. I mean, they have averages. a, they have yeah, they have a deep, deep roster. And Pulisic seems to be starting continuously, and uh, yeah, we'll see yeah. if he can stay healthy. He's, he'll be good. Toho, originally, he was like a twelfth man off the bench guy, and we don't like that. Right. What we're seeing is Pulisic is now becoming a semi-regular starter, which is yeah. good to see. There's improvement there. But you wanted to talk about. I'm trying to think. Just wanted to that... just wanted to throw in Thomas Tuchel also just got named FIFA World Coach 2021. And what? So he's FIFA World Coach of the Year. Of the yeah, this is the world. He's the World Coach of the Year. This uh, is uh, for the 2021 season. So I just remember Jurgen Klinsmann being nominated during one of his uh, <laughs> very underwhelming, lackluster right. U.S. national team coach years. That would have been uh, like... They uh, don't watch the games, do they? <laughs> that would have been... that. I mean, you know, Millie Vanilli won a Grammy, so, you know. The great German uh, <laughs> uh, rock band, rap duo rock in the late 80s band. or the 90s. A rock, uh, yeah. Well, it was a rap, right, rap. Uh, very sad I story mean, to that, by the way. Very I sad. You guys know the rest of that story. I know, They're, I... A good yeah. duo, wish them the best. Uh, a tragedy fell on, onto one. 
But nowadays, what they do is like common. But back then, I guess it was a scandal. They were caught lip syncing and, and I guess not writing their own material. Well, they did sing like, their own. They they did not sing their their material. And uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, it's a long story. The the VH1 behind the music about Millie Vanilli will break your heart. It's like it's very very touching. An Emmy award winning. I mean, it isn't, but it could be. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> much love to Millie Vanilli here, my friend. I That's believe, right. I believe maybe one, maybe one of them will find our content. Wish you the best. <laughs> we're counting on we're counting on the surviving Billy Vanilli member to grow the audience. <laughs> maybe that maybe they'll be our new interest. We should email them and be like, "Hey, we just brought you up on our podcast. I know you don't get much exposure these days, but <laughs> we, should, we should we should go. We should maybe go around to like Billy Vanilli too. Or something. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Much love to those guys. Yeah, so good on for Tuchel. Tuchel's one of those interesting coaches where it's like he got he he has a great he's one of those I think he's from Mainz. I want to say he was like a Rangnick disciple once upon a time. Oh yeah, I think that's true. Um, yeah. And uh, he worked his way up. And at Dortmund, he had problems with um, the sport director. With um, was it what's his name? He had he had problems with the higher ups at Dortmund. Uh, Michael Zorc? Was it Michael Zorc? It might have been the other one. Um, okay. I forgot his name. It was one or two. Uh, I think he also had issues with Sven Mislintat, the old scouting director of Dortmund. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Rockstar that. Himself. But like he, so he left Dortmund, even though they did okay under him. Then he went to Paris Saint-Germain, which was, I mean, talking about failing up. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> he had problems managing that party. PSG just seems just a giant ego-ridden party tough, yeah. of a club. Yeah. It's the exact opposite of a, something a German would run, you know. Uh, and they, you know, he, he was doing his best there. And despite sending him to the Champions League final, a feat that very few people have ever matched, they got rid of him there too for some reason. Maybe he also butt heads with Leonardo, their sport director. I probably can't think of two more different people than, than a Brazilian. Yeah. A German head coach and a Brazilian sporting director. <laughs> I think I'm like more of a clash. Uh, I would love to be, I would love to have seen the behind the scenes of that. And then he made his way to Chelsea. It's like, dang, this guy gets gigs. And yeah. under Chelsea, under him, they've done pretty well, right? I mean, I mean, they won the won the Champions League. What more do you want? I would say and, that's uh, not bad, right? That's that's solid. <laughs> that's not too shabby, right? Beating Manchester City to win the Champions League crown, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and what a great F you to PSG for Thomas Tuchel. Like, <laughs> I left. I'll win the Champions League. You continue not winning the Champions League. You have fun with a 36-year-old Lionel Messi and a 30-year-old yeah, crybaby Brazilian who has achieved almost nothing. We have a uh, we have a question. We have a question from Tom. Tom is back. Hello. Oh, hey, Tom. And uh, he's, he says, Pulisic scored more under Lampard. Why do you think there has been a fall-off under Tuchel? I think just Pulisic. Good I think he's missed a lot of time, right? There's been he he's had, had injury. Some, he had to come he's back. Had from. The, he's had a long, yeah. He's had the injury, and uh, he's also been out of position. Uh, he's been playing a false nine for for a little bit, and that's not his position. As Americans, we don't want to see Pulisic in a false nine. As Americans, we want to see Pulisic in a left winger role. That's what we want to see. That's what I want to see. He has been playing that role lately against Liverpool. He played in that role, which was arguably his best game as of late. <clears throat> so I think 
I would love to see. I think Pulisic's been used to solve some issues. He played left. He played right wing back for a game once, I think, mm-hmm. a, a few weeks ago. So, like, if Pulisic is playing week in and week out in a left winger role, that's what I want to see. And hopefully he can earn that spot. Uh, it might be a confidence thing. I don't know. All I know is that Pulisic can game. Pulisic is a beast of a player. And we haven't been seeing the best of Pulisic this season. We just have not. And, and thankfully, he's been healthy. Knock on wood. Knock on all. Yeah. Now that I mean, it seemed the 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 way to frame that more positively would be to say that you know Tuchel does seem to want to get him on the field. He does. He does seem to want to find a place for him. And uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, he has. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, he, I think he, if he he needs. We talked about this earlier. He he's played for Tuchel twice, and at Dortmund he came off the bench for Tuchel, and then when Tuchel went to Chelsea, he's like, "Oh, good, I got Pulisic. Pulisic's my twelfth man." He comes as a spark plug off the bench, so Pulisic had to train Tuchel to be like, "No, I'm a I'm a man, dang it, I'm a full grown <laughs> man. I play winger. I play left winger. I start winger," and he's done that. So now he is playing left winger relatively consistently and we saw some positive signs against Liverpool we need to start seeing some of the we just need to see really affect the game in a way that that really um makes him cement his spot and we've seen that before so I think a little I think I predict that soon we will start seeing Pulisic uh really get into form like Weston McKinney right that would be good that would be good World Cup there's a who's persona non grata now he's Mr. Juventus so there's a World Cup coming up, right? We need these. What's we up? need these. We need these guys to play the the World Cup. Yeah. There's a World Cup coming up. We got World Cup. We got qualifiers coming in the month. We need need them in form. There's a World Cup <clears> here. <throat> um, yeah, the goal against Liverpool was fantastic. Yeah, hundred percent time. I agree. I think he had a great game and against great the greatest opposition, Liverpool. So uh, the signs are there. <laughs> I think I think he just needs to he just needs to keep plugging along. You know, kind of like a slow build or a snowball. Uh, uh, getting to some sort of form going. And that's what I'd love to see. And I am hoping that it is right around the corner. Um, excellent. So uh, let's talk a couple of things here. Do you have any other thoughts on Tuchel? Or pa- on Tuchel, or the Tuchel? FIFA world coach of 2021? No. That's, it's, it's... I'm trying to think who my world coach would have been. He probably won it because of Champions League. I mean... Yeah, he 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 just beat out Mancini. Of course, he was a he would have been a, another good candidate for taking Italy to win the Euro. Yeah, um, I mean, honestly, and it's funny because Italy's on the verge of maybe not making the World Cup just a few months. Just yeah, few this months this later. these playoffs are going to be interesting. The World Cup qualifier playoffs. It's going to yeah. either Italy, yeah. either Italy or Portugal are going to miss. That's going to be pretty. Pretty crazy. Who's the yeah. Inter coach, by the way, Inter Milan. I, I know it was it. It was Conte, right? Who is it now? It's Inzaghi now. Yeah. I mean, what's what happened to Italy is a little crazy because a lot of leagues like Manchester City in England and PSG in France and and the list goes on and on. Bayern Munich in Germany and then Juventus in Italy were just these one club super dominant leagues, and Italy is the first country to sort of break that. They're just like, uh, now Juventus is fifth place now. Now Inter Milan's all of a sudden about to be back-to-back champions, you know. Yeah. So whoever gets that, I think, gets should get a little bit of a special shout-out. Um, so I just want to say, as far as improving, as far as improvement goes on the top, Inter Milan wins that award for me. 
Um, you know. That's fair, yeah. As far as club teams go, for sure. Yeah. So um, a couple topics. Uh, first things first, I would love to talk um, uh, Erling Holland a little bit. Ah, um, okay. Erling Holland was caught after the game by a fellow Norwegian journalist who is on ESPN, Jan Arga Fortroft, I think. <laughs> don't know his exact name. Jan Arga Fortroft. I don't know his last name. Fjortoft. Jan okay. Arga Fjortoft, I think. The, the Einmalige, the former Eintracht Frankfurt player, also spent time in England. Uh, he talked to Erling Holland after the game, and Erling Holland vented a little bit. Mm-hmm. And what Erling Holland said was, Dortmund is forcing me to make a decision on my on where I'm going right now. I don't want to do that. I just want to play fußball. I just want to play soccer. But Dortmund is pressuring me to make a choice now. And those were very interesting com- uh, comments. And he even said it as Dortmund is forcing me to go, almost like forcing me to choose. Dortmund have backtracked. They say they don't know where that's from. They're surprised to hear those comments. Uh, and they're backtracking a little bit. But seemingly, it seems like Dortmund told him to like make a decision, like figure this stuff out now. Uh, uh, a, a, a very like very much giving him the letter of the law. Like, figure this out mm. now. Uh, f- t- figure out where you're going because we don't want the speculation or whatever. And that goes back to something I said a few episodes ago where I want Dortmund to put forth effort to keep him. So for me to hear Dortmund is forcing him to leave in a way, not necessarily forcing him to leave, but forcing him to just... Dortmund are so defeatist about the idea of them being able to maybe retain his services for another couple of seasons. It just seems so defeatist to me from a club. Yeah, Dort, Tom, Dortmund looked for that big payday. They have received, what was it, 600 million euros in the last couple of years of a little transfer? Slightly below, but not much. Yeah, like 585 or something like that. Yeah. I mean, who has made more money off the transfer market than that? I mean, I think they've been champions. They're like the FC Dallas of the Bundesliga. <laughs> they got players, they develop players, they play them, but they really just want to sell them for a profit. It's almost like they don't want to win titles anymore. Almost. Well. If, if I didn't know any better. I mean, in fairness to Dortmund, they've been more competitive by a large margin yeah, than FC, than, Dallas, than FC Dallas has been in MLS. Yeah. <laughs> That is unfair. That is an, an an unfair comparison for Dortmund. But I, I um, agree. But the but I'm just saying the relationship to how they treat their players is maybe a little bit similar. Um, well, you so that's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, they try to they try to keep things quiet. I mean, they, he's gonna leave. I think you're you were saying they should try to keep him. I mean, they're not gonna keep him. Yeah, but maybe for he's, one more year. Like like he has a contract in his clause, excuse me, he has a clause in his contract that he can leave this summer for 70 million euros or something like that, which is a bargain price for a player like that these days. I don't know who wrote that contract, but, you know, when they signed players, they only signed him a year and a half ago. So, um, uh, uh, you know, it'd be nice if they held their players for a long, longer than two seasons or give them out for for, for lower than two seasons. But, um, you know, I'm just worried that Dortmund's, more worried about their bottom line because financially Dortmund's probably doing great. Uh, very profitable club. You know, they spend, you know, the, 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 I mean, how much they buy from Rebel Zalzburg for? I should look it up, but it can't have been more than 
like 20 million or something. I don't know how much that, or maybe a little more, maybe 30 million or something. Uh, no, it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be a, a good for them. Yeah. And they don't want this to drag out. They want to, uh, yeah, they want a decision to be made. I mean, I can, I can see it. I can see it both ways. Well, he's playing great. He's yeah. In great form. I think for a club executive, it's a bad idea to, to mind screw your players while they're in great form. Just let them play for a bit. You know, where if he goes to Real Madrid, I mean, where is he going to go? He's going to go to Real Madrid, <clears throat> maybe Barcelona if they can afford him. Manchester City is probably close to the top of that favorites list. Chelsea would love to have him. You know, maybe in a weird backwards world, Manchester United, because even though it's tough to be there, they seemingly have just an endless well of cash to, to be able to buy players from. I mean, there you go. He's going to end up in one of those five places, I would say. Maybe well, Liverpool. Well, it sounded that. it sounded like he was preferring. It didn't sound like, I don't know, this is all kind of, you know, through the grapevine. But it sounded like he didn't really want to go to England. He was, was preferring a move to Spain. And maybe he's trying to buy some time for those teams to, to get their finances in order so that they can afford him. Well, I mean, it would be a good move for Barcelona because of the contract clause. If there was no contract clause, Erling Haaland would be a $150 million player. Like, if there were no contract clause, Erling Haaland could easily have been the most expensive transfer in the world outside of Neymar this summer, probably. But they have they have a contract clause where they get him at $70 million, which these days for a player like that is kind of a bargain. Uh, and Barcelona have did not have the resources they once had, but maybe they could be able to scrounge up $70 million for one transfer this summer. Maybe. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, Real Madrid would be able to get his hands on him, but but then there you go. Barcelona has to wait a whole another year. Dortmund should keep him for another year. You know, I mean, I I just if if I'm a Dortmund fan, I'd be like, do your best to keep that guy here. Stop. He's still young. You know, two or three more seasons of Bundesliga will be just fine for him. There's still plenty of time for him to go play Barcelona later. You know. So, you know, I just wanted to bring that up to be like, if I'm a Dortmund fan, I would not be happy with my club's executive board treating him just like a chess piece and telling him to like tell this to. out because we don't want to, you know, they need to value him like a little bit more of a special prize. And he is. Yeah, he I mean, needs you know. to feel, he, he wants, you know, I, yeah, makes sense. He wants to feel the love. You know, before him, they had Paco Alcácer on loan, um, I believe from Barcelona. Uh, they had um, the Chelsea player Ich Bichuai. What was his name? Ich, I forgot his name. Ich, Ich Bichuai or something. Great, great oh, player. Yeah. player. There's Jordan um, Sancho. Was there? San Sancho. But it's just a string of players that that were very serviceable. Erling Holland's the first dude who's also world class and really the answer to Robert Lewandowski. He's like, you know. So if you got a guy like that, I mean, how easy you're going to replace him? You know. I think in general, club, this is just something clubs should do in general. Value your special players a little bit more. You know, uh, Barcelona just signed Torres. What would happen to him if Holland were to show up? Oh yeah, Torres from Manchester City. Ferran Torres. I'm a little. Is Ferran Torres is a winger? Is he a forward? What's his natural position? He's uh, well. He's played. Yeah, I think he's a winger mostly. Yeah, so he could. He could. They could coexist for sure. I mean, he's played as a nine. For City, but he never really. I think he had some opportunities when Aguero and Jesus last season were um, were hurt. So he did get a lot of time at the nine spot, and he didn't do all that well. 
consistently, which I think is why he became expendable. So I think he could play he could play wide. I think that'd be fine. I just yeah, don't understand. Forward, I mean, but, I don't yeah. understand the the uh, uh, Barcelona economic situation at all. It seemed like you know they let they had to let Messi go for lack of funds, and right. now they're going to sign Holland. I don't know how that in what world that makes any sense, but. Well, yeah. I think the Messi situation was based on Spanish law a little bit. I think there's a rule that you can't have. I think you have to clear X amount of space. So that right, right, less right, right. Funds right. related and more regulation related, I think. Because Lionel Messi was on a unprecedented, bloated, like eighty-five million dollar a year contract, which he deserves, by the way, for being the world's best player. I don't. I'm not decrying that, but I think the number his contract was just too big. For Barcelona to to keep in regulation, I think, I think it was something related to that, uh, and probably Sarjeman is like, we don't got regulations. Come on over here. Come on over. <laughs> just we got all to, the money. We got all the money in the world. And all the money in the world. The financial fair play here is a joke because <laughs> they, they get regu- <laughs> relegate uh, re- regulate all the time, but seemingly they just spend and spend and spend and spend. And uh, you know, rumor has it not all of that money is generated is revenue generated by the club. I've heard, I've heard what? that some of that might be a little bit of an injection from perhaps uh, the UAE or I believe wherever that money is coming or Dubai. I don't believe it. Qatar is it Qatar? I those sense. are allegations. Those, those are some clubs are owned by Those Qatar. are allegations. Uh, no, yeah, in just rumors, city, just rumors. city is it's just Abu Dhabi, right? It's not. Uh, yeah. Is it well? PSG and Man. Yeah, I, I don't. Who knows? Some uh, endless wealth oil, oil rich, an oil rich nation. Yeah, endless oil well. Cool. So that is Erling Holland. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is some very interesting comments from our old friend Deep Muhammad. Deep Muhammad, mm-hmm. former former national team player. Yeah, right. One of my favorites. He played for Liverpool for quite some time. Uh, he spent a lot time in England. He scored when Germany beat England in the old Wembley Stadium, that one nothing game. Mm-hmm. It was it was won by a great free kick from Dietmar Hamann, Didi Hamann, who was a great uh, dead ball specialist uh, back in the late 90s to early aughts, or the mid to late 90s to the aughts. Um, he scored the last ever goal in old Wembley Stadium. But anyway, Dietmar Hamann tweeted that Bayern beat Cohn 4 to nothing. Uh, with a bench made entirely of all their kits, with no Bundesliga minutes amongst them. Mm-hmm. And the Bundesliga isn't canceling or postponing any of their games due to COVID because, you know, all these clubs have 30 to 40 players on the books. English clubs have more. I think some clubs have like 80 or 100 players because they have these lone armies. But other clubs more closer to 50 to 60 players. That's a lot of players on the books. And he's saying, why are English clubs canceling their games? You've got 40 players <laughs> play. Like if you're missing 15, you've got other like play your kids and the English clubs, instead of playing their kids are just canceling their games. And I agree with Deep Mahaman. I agree with Didi Haman. Play your kids, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they've painted themselves into a little bit of a corner in England, right? Cause this kind of has gotten uh, uh, more and more games have been postponed. And, and now this last weekend, there was big controversy because Tottenham, the, the, the London Derby was postponed. And it wasn't just about COVID. Arsenal had people suspended for red cards and injuries. And, and so 
it was a little bit like uh, um, you know, Pandora's box has now been opened. If you if you postpone games for not having enough players available, it's kind of where does it end, you know? And now, uh, uh, um, I think yeah, they probably have to revisit those rules a little bit. It's like it's really like any other. It's really like any other injury, right? Like if you don't, if people can't play, then they that can't play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like with suspensions and injuries. It's like that's whatever. That's on you. If you're the club, again, you have fifty players. Play, you know, the, the, these games will go ahead. Everyone has, as long as everyone's held the same standards, right? Everyone is like everyone says you will play on Saturday. You have to play on Saturday. So figure that out. If you've got injuries, if you have suspensions, uh, 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 people have to be isolated. It is what it is. But the clubs are deep enough where they just have to go forward. I think this is a great opportunity for players to get some minutes. And maybe, you know, inevitably there'll be a surprise or two. Maybe someone will keep their spot. You know what I mean? They need opportunities somewhere. The issue in England is it's just impossible for youngsters to get opportunities. The spots are closed. And I'll say that MLS in some ways feels a little similar uh, in the fact that they're always ready to just hire a more established player and not risking the idea of bringing someone through or playing a kid. There's not, they just don't want to risk it. And in England, that's almost, you know, no one's risking that. Uh, uh, it's, it's like it's like they have the club, the kids there. They're playing. They're playing the reserves, but they have no plans and actually doing anything with them when they're done, unless they're a world superstar. You know. Um, so you know, shame on you, England. Play those games and play your kids. Message here from Stefan Schnitt. All right. Here, uh, here. Speak. Here, here. Here, here. Uh, speaking of that, uh, it is MLK Day, uh, and we have a very special edition. Uh, fighting the man, and that was the Erling Holland uh, 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 piece on him versus Dortmund. And uh, is it? Do you want to hop and skip across the pond back here stateside? Do you have any other Germany things you want to bring? No, up? that's it. Oh, if we missed the Mainz Bochum game, that was fine. It's fine. Oh yeah, Bochum, I was going to talk about that for a Bochum bit. lost. We got Bochum's... it. Bochum lost. We got it. Missed a penalty. There was a little bit of uh, tussling about who who would take it. And then Polter did, and he did a very poor job. But it was sort of a kind of a soft call to begin with. Probably shouldn't have been a penalty. And uh, uh, the coach says it doesn't. It's not a big deal. Uh, there were a lot of there was a lot of talk about this penalty, who takes it, and who. And the coach says it's ridiculous. We don't need to talk about it. I can figure it out. We get the first look at the poor man's Pepe. Jurgen Lukadia came off the bench. FC Cincinnati reject Jurgen Locadia played yeah, ten minutes. FC Cincinnati reject doing the Bundesliga. Played uh, played ten minutes and uh, yeah, you know we'll see. He looks like he's he's a more direct number nine than Polter is. So so definitely something somebody that Bochum uh, uh, could use. We'll see. It was ten minutes. It's fine. Uh, we gotta we we gotta look at him. That's it. But it was, uh, you know, Bochum on a great run and it ended with a one nothing against Mainz. Um, who are you guys playing next week? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> well, either way, <laughs> let's see. Who they got Bochum, putting you on the spot. Uh, I don't know. They are playing Mainz against tomorrow. Well, first, yeah, right. Mainz in the, in the cup. In the cup, yes. 
tomorrow. And then uh, that's Köln that weekend. I know. And then Köln at home. All right, might might Köln at home. That'll be a good. They can win that. They can win. Could that. win I mean, that. Anthony Modest will be there. We'll course, see. So, you know, First, but... Locadia Locadia hat trick. Yeah. But we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna go across across the pond. Yeah, it's sort of. I was thinking we could talk about, you know, the career paths, career paths part two. Yep, that's right. Two, America. So we're talking. So yeah. So this is yeah. Last week we talked. Right. Last week we talked about. People going to Europe, Americans going to Europe. That's the the kind of the what a lot of people think of Dance as the as Rangers, these as right. the the standard the standard career path. And so today I thought we'd highlight a little bit the road the road less traveled, the other way. Could start talking about Jack Harrison, for example. He's not a German person, but he's an NYCFC person, and he. Uh, scored a hat trick this weekend. That's what made me think of that. Three against goals West for Ham. Leeds United against West Ham. Road win. And uh, yeah, Jack Harrison was in the Man United system as a young as a young boy. And his mother, who was a single mom at uh, at when he was fourteen, decided that there was you know no guarantees in the Man U system for him to become a pro. And she decided to send him to America. Send him to. To the U.S., he went to a very fancy prep school in Massachusetts, the Berkshire, I think it's the, the Berkshire School, where he got a, a soccer scholarship for a private uh, uh, education, and then won like high school player of the year or something like that. Went to Wake Forest to college, and uh, briefly also played uh, in New York for an academy team, and then NYCFC tried to try to pass him off as a homegrown that was rejected by the league and so we had to we had to trade for him in the draft he went as the number one draft pick in the in the mls super draft came to nycfc played there for a year and a half did very well frank lampard particularly kind of took a shine to him and and thought that he was uh um he was a good talent. He actually even got called up for the England U21s. That was a pretty big deal for somebody who was playing in America at the time. And uh, yeah, and then went, uh, uh, I think City bought his rights and then loaned him loaned him out to Middlesbrough. It was a very funny Pep Guardiola interview. He played very briefly for them in the preseason and Pep sort of struggled to know who he was. But right. Uh, eventually, he kind of. Uh, well, this relates back to England having eighty players on their books. Right, right, right. Exactly. Them. So. Um, yeah, and then played in Middlesbrough, and then uh, then uh, changed the leads first in the Championship, helped them get promoted, and I and and then you know remained a starter, and uh, has has done really very well. Eventually signed. Now now belongs to Leeds. Leeds finally signed him and Marcelo and. Uh, he played for them, and the, he was a part of that championship squad. Did they win the championship that year? I know they got. Yeah, 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 they did, and then they uh, won the championship, and then they came to the Premier League. Came in the Premier League, and Jack Jack scored the first goal. I drafted him uh, uh, for my fantasy team, sort of almost as a joke, as the very last, as my last pick. I was like, "Is he going to play? Is he not going to play?" And not only did he start against Liverpool, played the scored the very first goal for Leeds in on this in after being promoted in the premiership premier league so 
just an interesting kind of career path that is very unusual for an English player to sort of take oh, yeah. the circuitous route. Um, he came to America. Came to, develop, to America to develop. America, yeah. America made his way back to England. Now that's a very cool story. That's a very, very cool story. And, um, and yeah. his mom, so, his and mom and also his point being like, yeah, well, I, I like, guess you don't have to, the doors are closed. So you have to leave. But I, I know a lot of English players are going to Germany, like Jude Bellingham, like a Jaden Sancho, right. Reese Oxford, you know, we're seeing these young uh, English players. Um, and, and there was a dude named, what was his name? Anthony Forrester or Andy Forrest. I forgot his name. Oh, who I played for no, I forgot the guy who played for for Leipzig, the Scottish, the Scots, the Scotsman. Well, maybe they got from Nottingham Forest. I forgot his name, but he went to Leipzig. Was kind of a big revelation there, and then made his way back to the UK to a bigger club. After that, mm-hmm. you know, like 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 there are ways to get playing time, and it's seemingly not in England. So yeah, uh, uh, um, props to Jack Harrison for. Going to the states and making his way through the college system. You yeah, know, and his and his mom, his mom, sort of, you know, his mom, kind of having that vision of, you know, there's no, there's lots of talented kids in the Man United system. Not everybody makes it, you know. At least in this way, he got a, he would have had an education if it hadn't worked out, but it also did work out. His mom also much beloved by NYCFC fans. She came to a lot of games and, and uh, was always a, uh, a lovely presence in the, among the fans. And so, yeah, just a, just a great story. And just the larger point, like you're saying speaks to that, you know, I, I'm, I guess what I'm promoting is just a, a more subtle, you know, view, more subtle and differentiated viewpoints on these issues versus saying like, well, you have to, this is the way to do it. This is this this one career path, and that's what you have to follow. There's many well, ways, we many ways to go. A super draft a week ago, which used to be a big deal. Nowadays, it's yeah, an it's... afterthought. But there's still talent to be had on that old system. You know, uh, one of my favorite analysts is Shaka Hislop on ESPN. I love Shaka Hislop, mm-hmm. and Shaka Hislop, you know, he's he's he's, a, he's, a, he's I think he's an English-born Trinidadian or Tobagan, uh, one, one one or the other. And he spent time with the English youth uh, national team. But his roots were here in the States. He went to Howard University, played college soccer. Mm-hmm. I think he was offered, he was drafted to the MISL, the major indoor soccer league in like 1992. <laughs> right. But went to England instead. Uh, I think trialed or signed with uh, West Ham or Newcastle or something like that and had a long career in England. But he was a 22-year-old, 23-year-old at a the college doing that you know that, that 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 doesn't get spoken of enough that was very unheard of uh, yeah uh back especially, especially back then right when the premier league was starting to have some americans some guy come out of the college system and go straight to being a pro in europe uh you know so the, you know the the college system is there you know guys like i mean clint dempsey one of the greatest u.s players right. of all time went to Furman, which was not a big soccer school. He was sort of overlooked by the bigger soccer programs. Mm-hmm. Crushed it at Furman, uh, was drafted via the Combine, you know, to the Revs, and just became a total beast to the Revs. But he, he was 22, 23 before he was a pro, yeah. you know. Uh, and then came went strength to strength and just became an absolute beast, playing as prime for a little bit Tottenham, and then, you know, scoring those great World Cup goals. So, you know, th- there is there, there, there's some some 
players blossom some, a little bit later. Yeah, Pretty come come later, and there's them. right, and there's lots of there's lots of paths for different people. The college game has lost significance with the kind of rise in MLS academies. The academies have kind of, and it sort of speaks to what you were saying last week that the the teams look to get their hands on these players earlier. If you're, uh, for the most part, they tr they're trying to get you into the system at 16, 17. So the college, uh, the college game is not has no longer has the relevance in 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 terms of supplying MLS with talent as it used to. But there's still some players right? to be found. There was they, I have a little um, addendum, I guess, to what we were talking last week about Dante Povara. Speaking of college he was the college player of the year this year and he was from the nycfc academy and i said that i assumed that nycfc had offered him a contract and he had just uh decided to go to scotland instead but apparently that's not the case we heard from his uh, college coach this year and he was saying how uh, uh when he was around 16 basically nycfc had decided that they're not going to sign him and so uh uh, so they didn't want to have him, and even after he did well in college, so that's interesting. That was interesting to hear that he was, which also sort of speaks Matthew, to this idea. You know, there's, Matthew there's, Hoppe was a Galaxy reject, I think, or Matthew mm -hmm. Hoppe was turned down by an MLS Academy and went independent, and now he's finally getting some minutes back in Spain again. You know, um, that said, you know, just because. You should give people second or third shots. You know, if you can't sign at 16, whatever, check again at 18, check again at 20. Yeah. I mean, we'll yeah. see. We'll see how Dante does in Aberdeen. We wish him all the best. Wish and, the best. Uh, uh, but what, Rail but Salt again. Signed, do, do you know the Alex Kai story with Rail Salt Lake? No, I don't. The youngest, the youngest professional contract. In oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Is that his name? Do. Yeah. He beat. Even younger than Freddie Adu. So you thought that was you thought years. that was a record that you thought that was a record that would not be broken, but here we are. MLS is like, hold my beer. That's incredible. You know? um, um, but I just I just wanted to say one more thing about, uh, and that that'll transition into our next thing. You know, NYCFC has a history because that's this is what the college coach Dante's college coach was saying that. To NYCFC's credit, they did not, because they own his MLS rights, because he's a homegrown from the academy, they did not stand in his way when he um, decided to go to Aberdeen. And that's, I was going to shout out NYCFC for being good about that, like letting the kids go when the time is right for them to go, like whether there's whether it's Joe Scally or now Jimmy Sands. I don't like the move, but apparently he wanted this he wanted this move and the team acquiesced, even though it's probably not the best deal for the club uh, in terms of that 18 month well, loan with the Scottish an... fans. It's like five, it's like five leagues of step up. It's like a huge, huge step up. For <laughs> right. So, well, it just, five, five times yeah. fast and five times as strong. And... We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, just saying that NYCFC has, has been pretty good about giving the players what they want and sort of supporting them in their choices and not all MLS teams are like that. We have learned again this week with in the case of one Kellen Acosta. That's right. I just want to say real quick, New York Red Bulls, very hit or miss with that. You know, the big story is Aaron Long. West Ham really wanted to sign Aaron Long yeah. two years ago or a year and a half ago or maybe even less than. 
and just Red Bulls just would not settle on a price. They really overvalued him. Uh, uh, I think West Ham offered five mil, and, and MLS they wanted more. They, they wanted more, but you know, with with with, with Ricardo Pepe's twenty million dollar super record, I mean there were rumors he was going to go for, for ten. So for a twenty eight year old defender getting five million dollars. I, I think that's properly valued. It's pretty I good. Consider that much of an. Inflation. I guess he wasn't a he wasn't the captain. If he if he was if he was the captain of the team, they would have taken. Yeah, they would have got rid of him instantly. They would have <laughs> would have left on a like, free. Keep your five million. We're going to come up with a mutual agreement to let him go on a free. It's okay. Uh, that's all it takes. So you're right. If he had the captain orange band, he would have been gone. Lickety split. Um, you know. Uh, and you know, so but it, but it leads to guys like Kyle Duncan and Sean Davis walking out on a free. So yeah, uh, um, you know, some clubs are definitely better than others. The league overall has just gotten better about it as of late, which is nice. A few years ago, uh, MLS was like just not selling any of their players, including Kellen Acosta. And apparently, Kellen Acosta had an offer from Europe, and MLS nixed it, and they forced him to go to LAFC. Um, so this is a thing about American soccer, that MLS is a single entity system. Mm-hmm. So technically, all the players sign a contract with the league, not the. It's like the club. It's like the league. It's a club through the league. So the under, it's a league contract, and that means that clubs can just trade players willy nilly, and the players don't really have a say in it. There was an interview with Walker Zinnemann when they traded when LAFC traded him away. Big mistake, by the way. Uh, essentially, got a phone call. It's like you're going to Nashville. Bye. And then him and his wife and his baby, they had to pick up the crap and go to Nashville. You know, like they don't really have a yeah. say in it. In Europe, that's so crazy. Like in Europe, that's yeah. not a thing at all. Players the, uh, sign the, their contracts with their clubs, and then it's up to them. Like when the contract is over, the club can say no to them. But then they can then go find some other club, you know. Right. Or if they want to get sold, they have a say. They're allowed to put in a request. Uh, 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 clubs want money on, you know. There's much, the, the players in Europe have a much bigger say in their transfers than they do here in the yeah. United States. It's uh, it's there's the you know the the thing about getting traded, and the other thing that players really hate in MLS is the unilateral option. A lot of teams have every have annual options on players contracts so that they can decide at the end of the season, do I keep you for another year? And, and those are for many, for many, many years, often like three, four option years where intro contract is like a two plus one plus one plus one. Right. So like something like that, whether they want to keep the player or not, it's not really. Yeah. 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 So it's, so, so even players that are, that are very performing very well, have, have a hard time getting, uh, uh, getting, Paid their value, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, question here from Tom, which is what we were going to bring up, right? He's bringing up Miles Robinson. He's saying, do you think Miles Rob? You think it's Miles Robinson? Do you think it's Atlanta? Yeah, uh, I that's heard a good question. I heard uh, that Miles that Miles really, doesn't really want to go. I don't know if that's uh, how true that is. I don't think I didn't hear it from him directly, but uh, uh, <laughs> it seems like he doesn't. And I mean. You know, again, like like I said, like I said last 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 week. Good for him. You know, he has a he's got a, a solid starting role on a very ambitious MLS team. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. It's good so when like I agree, not everybody should just drop it and go to Europe. 
Paul Ariola is going to Club America, Mexico City. I'm very yeah. interested in that move. Club America, a very big traditional Mexican club. You know, the, I think that is a step up for him, and it'll challenge him in a good way. Yeah. I'm curious to see if he can earn a starting spot in Club America, if he can win titles with them. You know, back in the day, the big thing was Landon Donovan, right? Landon Donovan stayed. He didn't go to Europe. When he went to Europe, he went to Bayer Leverkusen, went to Bayern München, a very brief, very forgettable loan. Yeah, it didn't, didn't work for him. Yeah. No, and, 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 and he didn't want to leave. He wanted to make a million dollars a year, which at the time was a big deal. Hang out in L.A. where he's from, be near his mom, be near his sister, uh, surf and all that, you know, all the stuff he wanted to do. He didn't, he wanted to stay here. Uh, and that was sort of the big, like, you know, and, and then later Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey and Josie Altor came back. And that was sort of the whole like, okay, it's cool that they're here. It's cool they're making money, but they're not push. They're our best players, and they're not pushing themselves to their limits. Yeah. So there is that. However, so like with Jordan Morris, when he went to Swansea, I was really excited because he is a great player, and I think Jordan Morris is such a raw talent. And I'm glad he finally made his way over. He had some terrible luck, and he had to just go straight back uh, uh, with that injury coming right right, right back out of England. But I love seeing guys like that go challenge themselves. If Jordan Morris doesn't leave and stays, you know, he kind of has that same. You can tell he's sort of addicted to home. I think his family's at home. He's not in a rush to yeah. go to Europe, you know. So, you know, that is what it is. As long as he's still in great form, which he seems to be, then I'm fine with him staying. I don't know how much better he's going to get, you know. Uh, um, uh, uh, but for someone like Kellen Acosta, he wants to go to Europe. He wants to go challenge himself. Yeah. And Kellen Acosta is a dude that has talent but needs discipline and needs um, consistency. And, and, and like I mentioned last time, if you want consistency, Europe will give that to you. You know, If you want to succeed in Europe, you have to be consistent, if, if nothing else. So I think that'll be very healthy for him. And also at his age, how old is Kellen Acosta? I think he's like 28. He's one of those 20, guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me see here. Colin Acosta. No, he's 26. 26. 26 is the perfect age right now to move to Europe. Two or three yeah, I mean, now it'll be too late. He really yeah. got caught in the MLS web of bullshit. Right. <laughs> like, right. I mean, he even just even the trade. Like, you have to stay here, you know. And it, be and it was clear that what, when he got traded to Colorado, because Colorado played so such a big fee for him, to it was clear that that was going to make it hard for him. Because the thing is, you know, like you have because of all the salary restrictions, people are hard to replace in MLS. If you right. even if you get five million or three, four million, I mean, how much Walker would Kellen Acosta Zorman. get? Yeah, right. And and so right, but it was. Colorado was hit because he was also a little out of favor at FC Dallas. He was like kind of a wunderkind, and then he wasn't really playing. So he went to Colorado to reinvigorate himself, and it worked. Not well, but he wanted to go to he wanted to go to Europe then, and right. Dallas took the money from Colorado, and then but then it was clear that it was going to be hard for him to go, and that sort of has has now borne itself out in that Colorado instead of selling him to Europe, just traded him back, traded him to LAFC. After Why they just spent, want to get rid of him is my question. Doesn't I think it's I think it's a financial thing. They have Mark Anthony. K. I mean, it's sort of like they paid. They spent the same amount of money on Mark Anthony K. That they now are getting for Kalanacosta. So it's sort of a almost a straight swap. Which 
I don't know. They're yeah, kind of, I think on there. I would rather have Kalen Acosta maybe. I don't know. But uh, it's a big win for LAFC. And LAFC is looking over. is looking shrewd. They have Izzy, Izzy Tajiri Shradi, and they've, they've acquired some people. What were you going to say? No, 100%. Yeah, we'll see. LAFC is doing some moves in the offseason under one mayor of Hanover, Stephen Cherundolo, uh, Sharon Dolo, uh, or whoever they would say. But the other thing, this so, is sort of, another, this is sort of semi-related, but I would be more okay with intra-MLS moves, because there are not enough, and I guess the system precludes this, or the system forbids this, is I would let, like when Darlington Nagby went to Atlanta, I'm like, I love that move. Like Kellen Acosta going to LAFC is a cool move. I want LAFC to get Kellen Acosta. I want them to go get Jesus Ferreira from FC Dallas. I want I want clubs to make intra moves to sign established players from other clubs. It seemingly, it seems like you know I want LAFC to try to spend a million dollars to get Aaron Long, you know, or or maybe get Walker Zimmerman back. Like I I want MLS clubs to value intra. Like why why isn't anybody giving Nashville three million dollars for Honey Mukta? You know what I mean? That doesn't you know doesn't wouldn't NYCFC want a player like Honey Mukhtar? So, like, I want clubs to sign great players from within their league. And that's just something that MLS tries to forbid with their parity structure. Well, they don't I, want... I, one, would be a fan of changing that. Yeah. Well, I think this is, this is uh, something that people kind of agree on in general, that somehow in order for the league to grow, there should be some you know some relaxation of this of these rules or some uh, uh to make it easier for people to compete i think there is a you know there's a battle it's like i've used this uh not on this podcast but in, i've used this analogy like mls is like an old manhattan co-op building they have you know some people some people bought in some people have had their apartments for 40 years. They bought them for $75,000 in the eighties. Robert Kraft. And yeah. And now Robert, Robert Kraft. Kraft. And, uh, and now they have people coming in who are buying the same apartment for $2 million. And so those people want, yeah. they want the, yeah, they want the hallways to be renovated. They want the roof deck to be, to be, uh, uh, accessible and the old yeah. owners are like what no, no we just want the common charge we just want the common places. charge to be low we don't want we yeah. can't afford yeah. any of that and uh i think that's no 100 i think that is the uh really? that's that's the conflict and the more you have people coming in like blitzer and like these new owners it's gonna be eventually the tide is gonna turn but well riddle me this what's smarter $15 million a year on Lorenzo Insignia or $1 million a year on Demir Kraila, Ani Mukhtar, uh, Aaron Long, um, you know, um, Tati Castellanos, uh, uh, Callum Acosta, you know, yeah, Jordan you Morris. What's smarter? Which, you don't have to. a better roster? You don't have to sell me on that one. I think the Insigne deal, yeah, we've talked about that before. It's like, I think it's completely, just the amount of money is just disproportionate in terms of the budgets of the league. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how, how good he is. I'm sure he's going to be good, but how good would he have to be to make that worthwhile? But yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. It's, it's um, um, 
But and I think with letting yeah. that happen, like letting the American Super Club happen, it means the smaller clubs because it already exists. There are the high spending clubs, low spending clubs. It's not that that's not a thing. A low spending clubs is a great place for all these great MLS academies and colleges, all yeah. this great talent to go make a name for themselves. Like that's how it works. You know, Hani Mukhtar goes to let's say NYCFC becomes a super club. Hani Mukhtar goes to NYCFC. Waka Zimman what do you mean NYCFC. becomes? Then, excuse me, becomes yeah. a super club? <laughs> yes, we, becomes a super club. Did, can you see? Can you see this? Can you see this cup on my hat? I could see that you're going to have two home games in Los Angeles in two months. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Yeah, we do need a stadium. <laughs> that cannot be denied. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's pick a different example. Let's say Toronto becomes a super club that it's trying to be, which it is, mm-hmm. and more props to them. You know, the, 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 like like when Hani Mukhtar goes to Toronto and Tati Castellanos goes to Toronto, you know, and then there's some new kids from the NYCFC Academy who gets to be the new score for NYCFC. There's some there's some kid from Nashville too, or or maybe someone who who showed up at Rail Salt Lake gets to move over and, and make it. You know what I mean? Like there's a natural order of things. When when someone and it's also exciting to see whether players will go perform for their new clubs, will they perform together? Will these super clubs work? You know, that's the kind of stuff that you're used to. And I won't I won't just say in Europe. I lived in Brazil as a kid, and I remember right before I moved there, Palmeiras became a super club. They mm-hmm. bought Havaldo, they bought Roberto Carlos, they bought a lot, lot of great Brazilians that we, we came to learn and love. They all played for Palmeiras in the 95-96 season because Palmeiras wanted to be a super club. How exciting is that? It's a national news story. People tune in. It, you know, it's it's a fun thing. I would love for an MLS club to just go for it and be like, I'm going to buy all the highest value players yeah. the last two years and make a super team, you know? Yeah, I guess, I mean, the Galaxy were that for a little bit. and They try. And, uh, they try. yeah, they try. I think this new, I, we mentioned it last week, and I just read something about it again, this new media deal that apparently is is about to be announced over the next month or two. We're going to know the new, the the and that's going to be a dramatic change in terms of how uh, MLS is, is, uh, is going to appear in media or streaming or whatever. However this goes, it's going to be a big difference to how it is now. And it's going to come with a huge a large increase in income in right, one yeah. way or another. And, uh, and that's gonna, and then it'll be interesting to see how that then affects if, if the league then takes that as an opportunity to, to relax the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, there's been a lot of improvements. I remember back in the day when I started watching, this is pre DP, every MLS roster, their entire budget was, I think $2.2 million. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The entire 22 players, 25 players they had to have. You know, so so long, you know, those days are long gone, but there's still a lot of improvement, especially if you want to match Mexico and the CCL. It's not the starting lineup. It's the bench. It's the depth. Yeah, it's the it's the and to in fairness, there have been there are these initiatives that do work. The TAM initiative that has has improved the middle of the roster, the young DPs. And so it's not like it's not like nothing's happened and it's not like these things don't work. But it's going to well, be interesting to see, deals. right, right, right. So it's going to be interesting to see once the once the once there's more money, does is that going to mean a little bit of uh, uh, sort of more flexible rules, or is it just going to be the same so. system, the same system, kind of uh, uh, 
doubled in I, size. We'll see. I feel that MLS is right. I understand why it happened, and it was very smart. The single entity structure was designed mainly by one Sunil Gavadi, former right. US soccer president, who was working for the league at the time. Uh, I believe that MLS has earned its 25 years. They've done really excellent financial decisions. They're, they're, they're running oh, very yeah. well like a tight ship. I think it's time to rip the salary rules just to rip that up a little bit, to, 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 to knock that a little bit wide open. I would love to simplify it, make it a little bit just more open. Uh, 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 you know, you can still have financial control. I like the way Major League Baseball does it. When a team, like, like when a team signs a big player, they have to pay a luxury tax that goes to the other clubs. You know, there are certain rules you can still that still keeps things relatively equitable, but doesn't tie the hand. Like I want, I remember the New York Red Bulls had a player named Marcus Holgerson. He came in from Norway at like three hundred k a year, which for an MLS is big money. And he, he started off a little weak, but he earned his keep. But he became a rock-solid center back. He was our best, one of our best center backs, became a really key New York Red Bulls player. When it came time for contracts, they got rid of him simply because, like always, quote-unquote, we need to free up cap space, end quote. Yep. I would love – he earned his contract. You know what I mean? I would love it if we were allowed to have signed him to $500,000 a year. You know, because he earned it. You know, he was a player that earned it. I, I would. I hate the fact that you see that less. But, but I just hate the fact that a lot of offseason moves have to do with just keeping cutting the cap all the time and things like that. Yeah, I would love players to be able to earn contracts, and you know, I would just love to be a little more flexibility and openness on the MLS books. That that's that's my wish right. for moving forward for MLS. Is that our? Is, are those our parting words? So perhaps we're, we're a little older than the Kelly Costa. I wish him the best at LAFC. He's going to come play, I'll catch him. Maybe he can make his way to Europe next year. I feel it's every player's right in MLS to be able to go where they want to go if they can earn it. So to see him being forced to stay here as a fan, I don't like it. Thumbs down. Thumbs down for me. Yep. Uh, and those are my parting words. Any final thoughts from you, Bjorn? That's it. No, I uh, I agree. I agree. Kellen Acosta should go where he 100%. wants to go. Although Kuschnitzel's on the same page, he's also. I, I think he's going to be happy in LA too. But uh, yeah. yeah, maybe it'll be a good move for him. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Way, we'll see you next week. Thank you again, Tom. Thanks for yeah. Thanks here. for uh, shout out to Tom. Shout out to Tom. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Cup. <laughs> I'll see you next week, Tom. Thanks again. All right. Take it easy, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.